welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up too at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montesi, joined by AFL legend Warren Treadray. G'day, Treaders. Monty, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm, I'm battling, mate, with a, with a man flu, but I'll be okay. We'll, we'll get through this one. Now, we're back with our sports business wrap, where we cover the latest big money moves in Australia and around the world, and we do it whether we're sick or not, because we're hard units. So let's just jump straight into it. Now, big one that you're very interested in, Treaders, is there's there's another betting scandal that's impacting Australian sport. Now, Four Corners has come out with another investigation overnight. Can you tell us what's been happening? Yeah, Monty, this is a, a massive one. You know, I, I floated earlier uh, in a podcast earlier in the year around whether there should be live bet, sports betting in games. You know, I know it gets blocked out at broadcast and bits and pieces, but I just don't think it has a live spot for in games. Well, this story is unbelievable because the ABC's Four Corners has pretty much come up with the heading and the story hit the last 24 hours. Secret betting arrangements shows football Australia makes money from gambling on amateur games. We touched on in our conversation. You said the next uh, spe- next frontier is is local is the sport. We also spoke with um, one of our, um, our guests in the last two weeks and says he, he thinks the boom in American sport, particularly female sport, has been off the bat of quality product but also been able to bet because their gambling has finally, you know, still some way away, but they're 20 years effectively behind Australian sport where now they can live gamble on everything. And just when you think those untouched areas, the – authentic um, way of sport is your local B division versus your B division or your C's or your D's or your your juniors, your kids. It looks like that's corrupted already. Very concerning. Like, I mean, looking at some of the stuff that Four Corners has uncovered. So they've really zeroed in on Football Australia, NRL, AFL and Cricket Australia and their relationship with the big global betting companies. So they've, they've discovered that governing bodies earn up to 17.5% commission from gambling companies on profits from betting on their events. Wow. These payments, they call them quite secretive payments because they're not uh, disclosed in any reports. They call them product integrity fees and they're worth millions of dollars a year to the leagues. So hang on, hang, hang on. Right? integrity fees, but we don't tell yeah. anyone about them. That would suggest a bit of an oxymoron there, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So they haven't seen the official numbers, although the NRL has told the ABC that they earned 50 million bucks from these fees last year alone. The AFL is estimated to have earned around 40 million. Um, but Treaders, what's particularly concerning is um, what's happening with Football Australia and how how deep this runs. Yeah, and, and this is the bit. We, we can talk about the 50 million from NRL, AFL 40 million, and the 17% commission. Um, or the 1% of the bet, profit, what's paid out, all that, uh, what's greater, what's less than. The reality is they're making far more than this because they all have sports. You know, I remember when 
Um, I remember Channel 9 back in the day and the NRL did a partnership with Tom Waterhouse. Um, and that was, you know, sponsored. He covered every bit, and that, which probably changed a lot of the laws around then. But this deal doesn't disclose what the commercial arrangement is either because this is effectively, so everyone can understand, this is effectively anyone who bets on AFL effectively has to pay commission to the AFL to bet on AFL. Right, same as NRL, same as Cricket Australia, same as Football Australia, as we're looking at here. Um, but what it doesn't do is talk about, okay, who's the branding partner? Who's, you know, is Ladbroke sponsoring a competition and branding on the boundary line? That doesn't include that sponsorship. So it gets pretty ugly. And that's the bit that's a real challenge. But the thing that really struck me in, in this um, this piece, and I've checked out the article online, is the same Football Australia gets either 1% of every bet place in Australia on a soccer game or 15% of the bookmaker's profit, which is higher, right? And then we talk about this man on the sidelines. This is the bit that really gets me, right? This is just a Melbourne um, a Melbourne suburban uh, footy ground or soccer ground. A man wearing a lanyard sits on a folded out of chair on the outer side of the weekend game of sport, right? And we're going to look at the passionate team, the South Springvale team, made up of plumbers, electricians, and doc and a doctor. The man quietly observes the action while tapping away on his phone. So this is effectively a data scout. So a data scout is giving his betting authority, pick a betting big betting company. Um, they're going okay. So you want to um, you want to bet on the South Springvale team full of plumbers, electricians, and doctors versus Doncaster Highlights. So I don't even know who they are. Yeah, pick another team. And you can bet on that from anywhere in the world because you've got a scout sitting in a chair giving you updated scores as to who's winning this blockbuster in, say, Division 5. Well, if that's not challenging the integrity of sport, I don't know what is. Because you think that, what, the next base? What happens if they actually found that an under-8s game? And Jody Smith scored five out of eight goals and they've, they've, you know, they've increased their... You, know, you can get data on everything. So that suggests that as soon as you've got data, you can bet on everything. And if they're paying that guy to sit there, what's he getting sitting there watching a game of soccer? Two, three, four, five hundred thousand bucks. What's it worth? Them? We know that they pay through the roofs. This is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, gosh, there's a massive list of concerns. I mean, for one, just it kind of reveals just the deep influence that betting companies still have in sport. Like this is running extremely deep right to the local levels um i mean the the other thing that it opens up the door to is more corruption and and match fixing like yes you can you can you can police an afl game you can police the really big name games that are under the watchful eye of the media and and the big leagues but you know can you police a south springvale game no, no, you can't. Not, not when it's a fifth-tier Melbourne competition. And, and I was having this discussion a while back with um, someone. And when I presented at Guernsey, at first Guernsey, I started it when I was captain of Port. Um, I saw what Ricky Ponting was doing with the Australian team. You think, get a former club legend to come into the change rooms to say what it's like to, you know, in cricket terms, it was to, to, to wear the badly green. So Ricky Ponting would get one of the commentators or someone around to shake the hand of the debut player. So w- we started that in the AFL, and then all of a sudden lots of teams were starting to do that because it gets to your grassroots, it gets to your fabric of your footy club, right? But at that stage, I was actually asked to come and present at Guernsey many years later. I think it was the 2014 season. At that stage, I had my young kids come with me to the footy. They were going to sit with Nana and Pot while I comment, uh, was commentary um, for then Triple M at the time. But for me to get into the change rooms, the rigmarole was ridiculous. 
Now, the AFL had introduced these sort of blankets, no no uh, mobile phones. So anyone who doesn't have their mobile phone, whether it's 12 months, uh, sorry, two, uh, an hour before the game or two hours before the game, locked into a compartment, signed in, then they could get significant fines, anywhere between 10 and 20 grand. The club is only allowed to permit one mobile phone. And generally, that's the football manager in the change rooms for emergency reasons, for example, doctors or needing to get an ambulance or serious things like that. But how does that follow through when you've got a fifth tier um, situation where, you know, for my kids who have to show passports, their reason for being in the change rooms, oh, their dad's uh, presenting a Guernsey. What is your mobile phone number? They don't have one. They're not old enough. You know, this situation of this scrutiny at AFL level, yet, hang on, we're also getting kickbacks that aren't disclosed. Hang on, we can bet on a fifth division Victorian state league competition. You know, it's out of control. And to say, what did you say the reason was? The payment? Oh, the uh, product integrity fee. Yeah, everything not integrity. Yep. That's why this needs to be transparent. If you're going to sign with a betting company, you're going to sign with a sponsor, what is it that you want? We talked recently about the Tasmanian deal. Uh, hmm. But then all of a sudden, the AFL and everyone's coming out apart the voice. Well, clearly there's a handshake agreement or we'll support your agenda or not for the money. Now, I think these transactions need to be transparent, whether it's betting companies or it's, you know, playing a game, you know, for example, my old team in China many years ago, you know, it wasn't to have a team in China. Is it to attract business or how does that work? Is there a revenue share? Just all these little things that are very interesting to people, but probably need to be disclosed because if we talk about uh, Sport Radar, which is one of the people that has the biggest networks in the world, got 5,000 scouts around the world where they collect data from almost a million different sporting events each year. But this is huge business. Now, some of the people who've invested in this company, Sport Radar, which is slightly different to what we're talking about here, but that's NDA icon Michael Jordan and billionaire um, Mark Cuban amongst investors. So it's all about data. We've talked about that. It's all about having access to the latest rights, and it's all about getting the next person's dollar. Yep, so certainly going to be... Uh, a lot still to play out from that story. So we'll be watching that one closely. We we take a keen interest uh, in betting's influence on the business of sport, so we'll continue to follow that one up. It makes sense too, Monty, because as you say, like if we went through that instance with my family to get into the change rooms to present a jumper, like what's going to stop a local team from throwing a game now and then they can get ridiculous odds? Like it, it, it just invites opportunity to pay for a footy trip, to pay off a gambling debt, to pay off a, another issue, you know, interest rates are going through the roof. We need, I've got more pressure on the household. Hey, let's throw a game and load up on it. Like it, it's a, it's a very slippery slope. Yeah, not good at all. Now, Treaders, in terms of just a, a few quick AFL talking points, we've just seen Tigers Premiership player Marlon Pickett um, arrested relating to some alleged commercial burglaries to the value of almost 400000 bucks. Now, you know, we're not going to unpack the story in too much detail. I mean, that's for the news outlets to follow. But from your perspective, you know, having been a leader at a footy club for a long time, how does a club and the league, from a broader perspective, respond when a player goes through something like this? Well, there's, there's two ways to do it. The first thing you think, well, can he do his job? can still play footy, can still train, and it's good distraction. Um, I've always had the thought, and no one really always shares this, is that, okay, what's the likelihood of a conviction here? Because you've got to almost separate. Whilst you want to support your player, and everyone is entitled to innocence until proven guilty in a court of law. Um, but if 
this has happened, you suspect that a big club like Richmond needs to get to the bottom of it because if this is the case, this is instant termination of your contract. This is instant giving the game, bringing the game into dis- disrepute. So it looks for me, depending on whether it's he's done it or not, like the courts will take care of that. There needs to be a genuine discussion about whether you stand down the player and then you hear on the other side of it too, the Players Association out say business as usual, everyone deserves their day in court, he should be able to do his job. But I think when it potentially comes a distraction to your club, that's where you need to be able to potentially stand down a guy on full pay um, so that can run its course because as much as you want to support your player, if it's at a detriment to your football club and to all the other players, then you need to significantly think about what is best for your club at that time. You know, and only the people from within inside the walls of the AFL and also the Richmond Footy Club. And Brendan Gale's a brilliant operator, former lawyer. So he understands the game. Uh, he understands the industry, the business. But there'll be a pretty quick feel whether they know whether there's a chance to be found guilty of this or is this an association type of thing. So the detail is the difficult one. If you have more detail on this, you'll be able to make a significant call whether there's two options stand him down or let him play and have his day in court because many people have been accused of things and they haven't gone through so um i've always lent on the line uh, on the line of supporting the player but it does has to come back to a case-by-case basis because the end of the day no matter what decision the afl richmond make someone's going to have an issue with it you didn't support him well enough or he shouldn't be there and he's let us down you you almost can't win no 100 percent. i think you know i've worked with uh, a number of the players associations over the years and I'm the same I'm always an advocate for the player particularly when he actually hasn't been found guilty yet uh, and even like I think his manager commented saying that at this point he plans to contest it so it's not certainly not a black and white you know go and sit out I do think that um, it would be sometimes you got to put it back onto the player as well and go look is, is it even in your interest to be trying to play at the moment or do you just need time out? So sometimes, you know, the player can make their own decision about it as well. Yeah, and by all reports, the incident and an alleged burglary happened in Perth. He's now been bailed um, to go back to Victoria to effectively continue his career. Now, it will be interesting whether Richmond stands by him or plays him in the reserves or takes some time away. That will all be handled by people who are far greater... um, uh, understanding of this than I. Now, Traders, we had the uh, the King's birthday um, clash between Melbourne and Collingwood yesterday. Pretty incredible uh, to see the, you know, just the, the weight behind the Fight MND charity. I mean, what how many, uh, what were the funds raised there? Well, they're saying, you know, the Guard of Honor moment, brilliant, two million plus, and, and that's a huge amount of money. You know, if we... We signify what the actual thing is, effectively sponsoring the day or the, the, the charity partner for the day. It's off the back of Neil Danaher as a former Melbourne coach, uh, Essendon South Melbourne player. Um, he's a superstar fella. He's a ripping guy. Um, and many years ago, was actually at Fremantle's ahead of footy and had to step down. And everyone wondered what happened. Well, yeah, the poor man um, was diagnosed that he had MND. And, and since then, he hasn't just fought his battle quietly. He's fought his battle pu- very publicly. And he's raised over $70 million. And Anyone who sees the people go through the ice bath, the ice bath challenge, the MND freeze day, as they call it, it's been brilliant. People dress up, they have a bit of fun, and uh, they go through what every footballer goes through in rehab uh, or the day after a game. 
a bloody cold ice bath. And uh, good on him. Neil Danner has a ripping fella. And um, it's really sad to see what he and his family have been going through. But they've, they've put it to very much a, a positive uh, slant on a very difficult situation. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about the the many challenges that, that sport faces at the moment. But I think it's um, events like that where you can really see the you know, the full benefit and weight and influence that sport can carry for these really important community and health issues. So I thought that was really awesome to see. Now, looking at the, uh, we had the, Australia was crowned the Test Cricket Champions, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Treaders, on the Cameron Green catch drama, because it, it certainly blew up. Yeah, it was always going to blow up. And every year we sit through that, every summer we sit through that. And just in case now we're in a... um we're in a winter down here, but um, you know, they're, they're playing India on really a neutral venue, a British venue, a British deck, you know, as opposed to the dust ball wickets in India and the bouncy wickets in Australia. I thought it was a, a ripping uh, effort and none other than Travi Het, who's a superstar South Australian and a Port Adelaide man, so he's a very good fellow and good to see him shamming up the uh, selectors. But the Cameron Green drama, you know, he thinks he caught it. You know what I mean? Yeah, those ones are fine line. The technology is not, still not good enough to pick up from it, even though technology is a lot better in cricket with uh, Snicko and ball tracking and super slow-mo cameras than it is in other sports. But the reality is once people have got social media, once people don't like or pick a side, then it's going to create a furor. You know, did he, did he try and claim a catch? He said he didn't catch? No, he, he thought he genuinely done it. Many, many moons ago as a wicketkeeper, is sometimes you actually think you take it and you might not, and sometimes it takes someone else to say, no, I reckon it hit the deck. You know, I think that's sport, and that's the sport of cricket, and it's never going to be foolproof, particularly when technology is involved. We've seen that in many other sports. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean I've just got the mental picture of you as a wicketkeeper. I can't really yeah, wrap my head around Yeah, before I grew, that. before I grew, I was about 5'10". I then had one game at 6'3 when I got in, just before I got the 6'4 half. Yeah, it was a long way down, and I was taller than the rest of the slips cord, and it doesn't look good. Now, another big one, we've been following Liv Golf really closely. I mean, like the rest of the world, I was stunned to hear that uh, after all the drama over the last couple of years, the PGA and Liv have merged. What on earth happened in the last week? You think you were stunned? What about all the Liv players who've just got paid a poultice over a hundred million bucks? What about Tiger Woods, who apparently rejected anywhere from eight hundred million US to say no, I'm going to stay loyal to the US PGA? Rory McIlroy, who was going to get four hundred million US to sign for Liv Golf, and he he made it a badge of honour. And you know what I like about what he did? I don't necessarily agree with what he said, but he stood for something. He stood for his belief. Is I think we need to stay with the US PGA. We don't want to chase all the money. We got to grow what we dreamed about playing on that league. Well, that league sold you out, mate. They sold you straight out because you could have been cashed up. You stayed loyal. And probably part of their annoyance is the fact that they didn't cash in like the others did. Um, you know, Greg Norman says it's business as usual. He still um, he still thinks he's involved, but no one's been guaranteed their positions. And I got a little bit of information to someone that's reasonably close to this live stuff who said the other day there were three key people who started live and it wasn't. Greg, he came in later. Didn't get the names of those three. I'll try and work on that one. But the reality is these negotiations have been happening for the last few months, um, probably around the time effectively where the Adelaide event was played here to great hysteria. Probably that was the one that broke the camel's back to say, hey, this is starting to get traction. And also the other side of it too is when the, the Saudis who backed the, this lift golf 
uh, appealed the finding over in the US courts um, where they'd actually lost. So they were just going to keep fighting in the courts. And I think the USPGA sat there and go, hey, how, how can we bring this together? You know, we've got the uh, DP World Tour, which is the old European tour, the USPGA tour and the Live Golf tour. It's not yet known whether the Live Golf for events, for example, are still the one that they signed a four-year deal, I think, the South Australian government to have here in South Australia. And the first one was at Grange Golf Club a few months ago. It's not known whether they'll continue. I suspect if they're contracted, who knows? You know, but these guys have deep, got deep pockets. If they want it to go away, they will. But I suspect it'll be emerging of all these different tours. Um, but, yeah, the reality is South Australian Premier, he's beating his chest saying, we've got a contract and we're expected to do it. But I did get some info from that same little birdie that says to me, Liv is actually still trying to event hold another event this year in Australia. So it doesn't look like it's going to fall over just yet. Or are they just doing it as a time gap? I don't know about that. That's it's it's interesting and it's all going to play out. But if you're the South Australian government, you're saying, "Hey, this is here to do it," because it was a big ticket item for Peter Malinowskis, the South Australian Premier. Now the tourism crew, there were people, you know, spend, and the big one that's ignored here is the average age. I'm told of some people with live was around the forty to fifty average age, right, and under. So around the fifth, say the fifty years of age and under. Well, the USPGA, do they get anyone under fifty? The majority. That was the majority of people who went to the Live Golf in in Adelaide. USPGA is generally an older audience. It's not attracting the youngsters. It's not a, attracting the, you know, Fisher the DJ who was there. It's a totally different demo and a different market. And that's what Live has done so successfully. Is take yourself back many years ago to IPL coming in. Oh, that won't work. 20 over cricket, oh, whatever. Well, it's the biggest cricket now around. Take yourself back to 30 and 40 years ago when we spoke on this show to Greg Chappell when he was approached for World Series cricket with Kerry Packer. That won't work. That won't work. What does it do? It attracted a younger audience, brought in colour. Liv's done exactly that, and that's why I think it's here to stay to a certain element. It might not be a full tour the whole time, but it might just be set events around the world, and some, even the bigger players, might come enjoy it. So it is a, just a different format. Yeah, I mean, as we said, there's still a, a lot to play out here. It's so the agreement itself, it's a it's a framework agreement in good faith. So there's no there's no meat on the bones, so to speak. Uh, the major is also now going to be reviewed by the U.S. Senate. So there's concerns now about uh, the the Saudi influence, uh, which is which is another red flag. Uh, obviously, players on both sides are pretty confused and angry, like just the lack of information. Then, as you said, in terms of, you know, what does it mean for Adelaide? Questions over the deal. Um, you know, the Premier was on radio talking up um, his hopes that it's only going to bring more upside. But, gosh, there's still a fair bit to play out, Treaders. Yeah, and you've also got Donald Trump beating the chest of the live. Well, that's because one of the events was at his Mar-a-Lago, I think it was, wasn't it? Or one of his golf courses. I don't know. He's got that many of them. I don't know. But um, yeah, so it, it, even he's pro, but that's business too, isn't it? So who knows where this goes? But um, it's it's not a time where small deals are being done. A, a bloke called uh, Lionel Messi, who is expected to follow Cristiano Ronaldo to Saudi Arabia, has decided to go, nah, I'd rather live my life in Miami. How good's that? Oh, mate, it's uh, incredible. It's like, gosh, it was a big week with the PGA and Live stuff and then uh, this messy deal. You know, I think, gosh, we, we, we've talked about it a fair bit. Uh, you know, there was, you know, they reckon that the, the package from Saudi Arabia was pushing $2 billion, 
in terms of the offering. Would have made him the highest paid player in the world easily, more than Cristiano Ronaldo. Turned down Barcelona to go to uh, the MLS, so uh, the United States Major League Soccer. Certainly not even in the top 10 or 15 no, they're bottom. Uh, soccer leagues. Yeah. They're stinky, and, they're stinky bottom in their league too. And, and they're owned by David Beckham. So this smells yeah. to me when he left Real Madrid many years ago. You know, he went on this $250 million deal. What's people doing? Well, he's got opportunities to import, you know, buy into franchises. But it was a, a simple comparison too that went around on social media. What what uh, Ronaldo is getting at Al Nassar, um, he's on £173 million per year. Messi's new deal into Milan is poor bloke, only £47.76 million per year. You know, they break down the days. One's one's on per second. Um, Messi's on a dollar fifty-two or a dollar one pound fifty-two p per second, whereas Ronaldo's on five pound fifty p per second. So clearly, the deal is five times more. But this is the bit that is the great unknown at the moment. And, and you're a man who loves the numbers and gets involved in it. You know, they've been terrible. Um, they sacked Phil Neville, who was their coach recently. Beckham had to sack his good mate. He was one of the original boys with Nicky Barter and Gary Neville and Ryan Giggs, who signed on for Manchester United many years ago. Now, we talk about Messi, turned down Barcelona and a $2 billion deal with the Saudis. Now, to make this happen, um, Inter, the MLS and its clubs, Apple and Adidas all work together to make it happen. So Apple TV revenue share for MLS clubs. He gets a percentage of the uh, Adidas shirt sales, which will be through the roof, and an option to buy into into Milan at any stage whenever he wants. And then he already owns, I think, an £8 million uh, penthouse. So he's already had a holiday house there for years as well. So this is the smart business stuff that we've heard about Kevin Durant doing. You know, he went to the Golden State Warriors not only to win the World Championship in basketball, but also to get exposed to Silicon Valley and to buy into different deals. So for me, this smells at the same thing Beckham's done, LeBron's done yep. over the journey, Kevin Durant's done, and now the biggest name in soccer has done it, and he will do very, very well out of this one. Yeah, yeah, and and the Beckham comparison is is spot on. Um, except to be honest, Beckham's deal was even better. So when he came, when he came across to LA Galaxy, his deal meant that he could. He could buy any, basically into any team that he wanted for minimum chips. So he bought into Miami yep. for $25 million. It's now worth $600 million and going through the roof now that Messi's part of it. As you said, Messi obviously gets his gets his cash, but then he gets uh, revenue share from Apple TV with the MLS subscriptions as well as the Adidas deals and then his own option to buy into um, into Miami. But what's interesting... You might say um, it's it's very rare and unique that even Messi's uh, pending opponents actually chipped in cash for Messi to come across, and it's one of those ones where you know the rising tide lifts all boats. So big picture is is that Messi coming to the league lifts everything, and. Um, we're going to talk about that some of the numbers in a second, but every club benefits, the whole league benefits. Um, Messi really has unlimited value. This is the crazy thing. Like, yeah, you can quantify it, but Messi's the biggest name in the world. And and traders, I mean, if you if we look down at you know some of these notes in terms of the the Messi effect already. 
gosh, he's only been signed for a few days, and we're seeing the impact on the bottom line for into into Miami and the and the league already. Yeah, they've gone massive, Monty. Like, have a listen to this. Ticket prices have gone up over a thousand percent, with some resellers asking for US twenty thousand dollars a ticket, and this is for a home and away game. So you can see how all clubs will benefit all around the league. Into Miami's Instagram account has gone from a million followers to around eight million in a week. Well, imagine if you had the alerts on that and you were running that for the social media, but you wouldn't get sleep. Ding, 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 ding. Now the mo- they're the now the most followed American sports team, which is amazing. If we look at his time at PSG, as sort of a bit of a case study. PSG reportedly made around US $750 million from his arrival. Now, don't forget that Australia will take on Messi's Argentina in a friendly on Thursday night in China. So not only does it work out for him, it works out for everyone else. And, and as a mate of mine who works in, um, who's in development, he says, yeah, we love looking after everyone. I'm not someone who screws people over. Everyone gets a lick of the ice cream if it all works. Well, that's this deal this looks amazing for because not not only would, you know, we love to it. I remember many years ago that, you know, Dwight York played for Sydney FC. I don't think he came to Adelaide and played that year, which I was pretty annoyed at because you go, you want to see him. Then we saw Del Piero play, um, I reckon, for Melbourne Victory. Oh, sorry, he played for Sydney FC, not Melbourne Victory. Um, so some of the big names who have come out in the A-League, it's really worked because away from home, it's guaranteed sellout attendances because people want to see the best people or the highest named people um, do their craft. So, um, yeah, this is, I think this is going to be wonderful. And, you know, the, the flow on it, affect whether it's legit or not we see what's happening with the women's world cup over a million tickets sold just under a month ago um tickets been sold more than 2019 on track to be the most attended women's world cup like this is amazing you know each uh winning player is going to receive four hundred and five thousand dollars. like this is the beast that is world football we could talk about local leagues and, oh whether you know this sport's bigger and that sport's bigger and grassroots Football, or as I call it, soccer, you know, the round ball, the world game is the biggest sport by that far. It's not funny. And this is just a classic reason why. Messi's not a great speaker of English, doesn't speak much English, not great at it. But the Hispanic following in the U- US is massive. You know what I mean? So, you know, he, he comes from Argentina. He's pretty much lived his whole life in Spain and in, in Barcelona's system until recently when he joined PSG. He's the most marketable player out there with Ronaldo in the world. Um, he gets paid accordingly. And, yeah, this one baffled a lot of the uh, football experts because they thought he'd just go to Saudi. But, you know, this is quite literally put the American uh, game, particularly the MLS, on the worldwide stage instantly. Yeah, and as you said, uh, also, also great to see that things are looking really good for the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand as well. I mean, as you mentioned, over a million tickets sold already. On track to be the most attended event. Um, Sam Kerr is our own mini Messi over here in Australia and she'll get to put on a show. So it's all looking good there. Although, you know, it's not it's not all, all good news with the uh, round ball at the moment. I don't know if you uh, followed the, the Champions League closely, but we saw in 2022... It was pretty ugly scenes with the final when, uh, you know, last year the French police turned on Liverpool fans as they attempted to avoid crowd crushes and the match was delayed by over 30 minutes. Treaders, it's happened again. There's another kind of logistical 
mess with the final this year. Yeah, well, as much as it's bad that Man City finally won the Champions League after, what, nine years as Pep Guardiola just keeps on winning and winning and winning for all us, particularly Arsenal fans who are still licking our wounds. It's coincidental, isn't it, that the Messi effect is announced on the verge of the Champions League final, probably the highest profile time of the soccer year. Um, but as you say, it's been overshadowed again. Organisers tried to separate in, uh, separate Inter and City fans around the Istanbul Stadium. Um, Inter fans were using the Metro system, while City fans had to take designated buses. We know what happens, and particularly, and not to smack um, the Italian guy, but this is a regular situation in Italy football where if you're penalised enough, they'll play in uh, a Serie A game in front of um, empty stadiums because of fans' stupid behaviour. So... Um, there is an ugly side. I don't know what we do about it. You can only ban people for so long or for life. Um, tickets can always be handed on or carried on. Um, uh, you know, soccer hooliganism is an issue. But in saying that, football stupidity and Aussie rules and NRL fan behaviour can be the minority is stupid too. But it's not great when it, as it overshadows such a great event and a great celebration. And for Manchester City, be all their spending and all their money they've poured into their team. They had massive pressure to perform and they got the job done. I mean, obviously, the hooliganism was one thing. And in their efforts to to deal with that by separating the, the fans, as he described, it meant that the Man City supporters who had to take the designated buses, they were told, as this, they were told to empty their water out before they got on the bus, but then they get stuck in traffic. So then they're stuck two hours in these buses. Apparently, the fans were hanging out their old fellas out of the windows and having to pee out of the windows in these buses. Fans were vomiting out of the buses. It was an absolute disaster. Breakfast. Well, it sounds like a sauna where you weren't allowed to get out of. But, like, let's be fair. That, that's, you know, there's the hooliganism's one thing, but, yeah, that, it's hardly best practice, is it? No. Like, FFA knew this, Champions League knew this was coming. Like, Give us a spell. Now, at the time of recording, we've just seen the result with uh, the NBA. So the Denver Nuggets have won the NBA title for the first time in franchise history. So it's a, it's been a 47-year wait, Treaders. Yeah, it has defeated Miami 94-89 to in Game 5. And guess what? Nikola Jokic, he won the NBA Finals. Talk about being dominant. No one can get near this bloke, and his deft touch from shooting, from short range and from long range. And this is what's classic. You don't need to be a track horse. You know what I mean? I've heard this talk about you've got to be super fit, you've got to be athletic. He, he is his, he carries the puppy fat. He plays to his strengths. In the, um, the COVID few years, he, he leaned right down for training. But he's playing better than ever. He's just quite li- literally unstoppable. But he goes against the everyday professional mantra that people think. Now, you look at some of the bodies, LeBron James, at what, 38 years of age, ripped, chiseled. This bloke's not. He just smashes him with his mass. Yeah, so he's the finals MVP. He nailed a lazy 10 triple-doubles in the playoffs, which is which is just wild. And something else that was was interesting, for Nuggets owner Stan Kroenke, it's the fifth championship won by a team that he owns since the beginning of 2022. Now, this guy knows where to spend his dollars in the world of sports business, clearly. So he had, he's got the, the Colorado Avalanche. They won last year's Stanley Cup. Uh, that was after the Los Angeles Rams claimed victory uh, over the Bengals in the Super Bowl. 
Then he's got Colorado Mammoth. They won the 2022 National Lacrosse League Cup. And then one of his eSports teams, the Los Angeles Gorillas, took home a major title in the Call of Duty League last year as well. So yeah, and you know what else he owns? Widely. What? Bloody Arsenal. We choked it at the yeah, final yeah. hurdle. So why can't his luck come on my Arsenal? He owns us. He's invested heavily. The fans feel like they're finally behind him and we choke it at the end. Get stuffed. Very sorry, Warren. Now, we're going to finish off with, uh, you know, you know that I love to cover um, mascot-related stories. It's a bit of a soft spot well, this is, for me. This is mayhem, isn't it? Mascot yeah. mayhem. Yeah, so, you know, this is, this is where all of our worlds collide in terms of sports business. This is just ridiculous. So we had Conor McGregor doing a stunt uh, at halftime. Uh, now, he... He stood on the court during a promotion for TIDL, a cryotherapy pain relief spray, and he was confronted by the Miami Heat mascot. So this was halftime in the playoffs. So it's you know, supposed to be this skit. You know, you can just imagine. Yeah. In the middle product of the placement. Bit of product placement, you know, for this cryotherapy pain relief. Let's get McGregor in. What could go wrong? In the middle of the promo, the mascot strolled up to the UFC legend with a pair of golden boxing gloves on. They're supposed to have a bit of a play around. Then McGregor decides to throw a monster left hook, delivers it clean onto the beak of the mascot, sending his head spinning, and I, I quote from this article, like a disco ball, as he fell back onto the hardwood. And he doesn't end it there. He then lands another blow as the mascot lays motionless before his handlers came in to drag him away. And then McGregor continues with the skit and, you know, spraying the product or whatever it is onto the mascot not to realize that the poor bloke inside the suit is actually in a world of pain and had to go so to he's the caught ER. one yeah did he really cop one he had to go to emergency it was mcgregor sent him to hospital so that's when these promos go wrong wow i thought when i first saw that and you put that up for a discussion point i thought now nah, that's just set up that's all show but you're saying it's a legitimate injury to the mascot. Well, so they're saying. I mean, look, it could they could have just taken the mascot to hospital as part of the the stunt. I mean, either way, the um, the cryotherapy company is laughing. They they got their absolute money's worth with this one because everyone's talking about it, and it was uh, pure entertainment. But the uh, the mascot hopefully got paid a bit of danger money. Yeah, well, or the mascot has got legal legals pending. Because uh, Conor McGregor's worth a fair bit of money. Yeah, and it is America. There's always legal spending in America. All right, well, uh, thank you, Treaders, for your time. As always, plenty to talk about uh, in the last week. Loving the chats about the PGA and Liv and Messi. Uh, we look forward to getting together again next week for the wrap. We've got a couple of great interviews uh, in the can rolling out over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe. And check us out at www.thebigdeal.au where you can get all of the show notes and the details from today's wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.